0: is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio, streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton.
1: Welcome, everybody. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710 and seattlesports.com. Hope everybody had a great long weekend. Happy Tuesday to everybody. we got Good stuff coming up. We'll talk some Mariner baseball. Our Mariners insider, Shannon Dreyer is out there in Arizona at spring training, so we'll get a little report from her coming up at 3 o'clock. Andrew Brandt, former Packers vice president of player finance, also writes for Monday morning quarterback and hosts the Business of Sports podcast. The guy's doing everything. He's going to join us at 4.30, and then it being Tuesday, it means El Hombre. Michael Bradley will join us at 5 o'clock today. So big stuff coming up. Seahawks, uh, you know they got all these different days, Dave. Now that uh, you know target days, you got a tag starting this day, and this is the free agency, and this is this. All these, all these markers. I I would imagine our guy John Schneider has got just posted notes everywhere, grease boards (laughs) full of 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 chicken scratch, and he's just he's got all of this stuff lined up each and every day.
2: He's been a busy man. I mean, just this is the normal thing that happens uh, every year. You know, whether it's franchise tag or the draft or the combine, things like that. But plus you had to put together a coaching staff. yeah so, and I'm sure that was that was a huge deal. I mean he was flying all over the place and I think it was the the team with him and Bert Cold and, and Chuck Arnold and you know everybody else that uh, that went along I think it was uh, Mo Kelly who's mm-hmm. their like player development guy and you know flying all over doing zoom meetings, things like that. So yeah I, I would imagine I, I would say this, I don't hear much from him. <laughs> From John. Uh, yeah, I mean, typically yeah. we'll shoot each other texts here and there, and I'm just he doesn't thinking, have time for
1: you right now, Dave. Uh, Don't take it personally. Hey,
2: I know exactly where I stand, Bob. I'm at the bottom of the list, but no, I I, I think it's it's really cool because it's. I mean, this team, more than than ever, is really going to have John's Stamp on it. I mean, Mike McDonald. Everybody's really excited about him. He's a younger guy. I mean, when Pete first came here, Pete was a little bit older, more established. I mean, he had been in the NFL, mm-hmm. uh, and then he'd done historic things at USC. And so it was just kind of the the Pete Carroll show, and it was a great ride for 14 years. But now we're looking at uh, all of the you know different fingerprints prints that John is going to put on this on this franchise. So.
1: Pete was fourteen, he's seventy two, so he was
2: fifty eight when he came
1: here. Yeah. Fifty eight. He was younger than you are. <laughs>
2: no, I was looking at <laughs> Yeah, and he, he didn't look that old when he, when he came in. No. You know, he
1: was like No, and he's, he's yeah, still he bouncing good. off the walls then just like he is now at seventy two. Yeah. It's just weird to I think. think he, he's got more energy. Now, crazy. I envy so. that guy. I tell you what, uh, but yeah, you're you're right. I mean, we we've speculated. I mean, we'll we'll all find out together when the draft happens and all of that. But I'm just curious to see if the you know they've had these picks that we've over the years gone. Where did that guy come from? Who who, who said L.J. Collier? Who said Kristen Michael? Who said Malik McDowell? Who said uh, James Carpenter? You know, the kind of the picks that didn't feel obvious. We're looking at players right. that were around there. I'm going. Is that? Is that a Pete thing? Is that a John thing? I wonder if we're going to see a dramatic difference. Like, if we look at a pick or a player that's sitting there, you go, that's obvious. You take this guy. He's the best, whatever, tackle in the, in the best defensive tackle on the board. You take him. You need him. I wonder if it'll be more of the obvious picks as opposed to the, wait, James Carpenter. Who's that?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean... I don't know. I mean, he might pick some people, and you might go because last year I still look. I, I had, I actually had Devin Weatherstone getting picked with the twentieth pick for the Seahawks. I thought you know he was good enough that that they would take him, but I, I didn't think the five. So I mean, that's that's where he was picked number five. So that's where maybe you'll see some things that are that are kind of interesting, and then we'll see like, okay, is that for need? Is that for? You know, and we'll get into that as we as the John Schneider show progresses because we're going to do it right up to the day of the draft, actually. But yeah, so now all of a sudden, and this is what Pete was talking about. Uh, two things. First, he he was talking about how the most important relationship in the building is between him and John, and now that's between John and Mike, Mike McDonald. So uh, this is, I, I think, this is really going to be interesting to just to see, you know, how. They nurture that relationship and things like that. But you're right. I mean, I think we're going to pretty much assume that for the most part, John's got the final say on this. And and look, I, I don't think that there was anything going on behind the scenes and there were big differences and opinion and things like that. I think there were just little things. But, you know, uh, I think now that question that you just brought up. Was it Pete? Did they do it because they don't have any defensive linemen? You know things like that. I, those will kind of go away, and we'll we'll sort of know. Like okay, let's let's see. And there may be some surprising picks just like that. And again, not to put too much pressure on the guy because I always say that the draft's a crapshoot. Yeah, it it really is. I mean, there's I think one of the more fascinating things is to go back and look at the history of first round picks. Now, I know there's 32 of them every year, but still you go back and look and go, oh, my God, what happened to this guy? How did they miss on this guy? I mean, it happens every year. Well,
1: and and the other part that'll be interesting and and see how much John and, and, and McDonald collaborate on this is some of the free agents. Like which of these guys? Yeah are must haves. Like you can't let this guy out of the building. We need this guy back. And and one of the one of the bigger names, I I think I sent a list of the I can't remember who did it. If it was NFL.com or CBS Sports. One of those one of those websites, Dave, they had their list of top twenty five free agents. They had uh, Leonard Williams at number fourteen. Yeah. It was the only Seahawk free agent they had on the list. And he's a guy that you you gave up a second round pick for. He played 10 games. So you didn't get a full season. You got 10 games, second round pick. Now Financially speaking, in terms of money spent in football dollars, it was nothing because the Giants paid the majority of the salary. Seahawks paid the prorated portion of the veteran minimum, so he made they paid like six hundred and forty seven thousand per week. No period. Uh, I, I believe for the ten game, according to I was looking at Brady's because Brady. Henderson, I saw that
2: too, and I thought, I, I thought I, I looked at that because if you paid, uh, if it was. Yeah, per game, there was 10 games. It ended up to be like 7.6, and he was making 16, right? says well, this, yeah. this
1: is Brady responding to somebody who says, sounds like a dumb deal for a one-year rental, giant contract. Wish we still had that second rounder. Brady responded saying, remember, part of the deal was the Giants paying most of what remained of his $18 million base salary. Seattle only paid the prorated amount of the veteran minimum, which came out to be 647000 uh-huh. total. Well, a second-round pick was still a hefty price, no doubt, but the financial discount factored into that. So it yeah. sounds like in total.
2: Okay. Yeah, uh, either way, it was a good deal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, also... But I is think, it
1: still a good deal if they don't resign him?
2: See, that's the thing. Because uh, you look at last year, I mean, at that point, you, you look, we got 10 games to go. Um, things were, were still looking pretty good. I mean, if it wouldn't be worth it if, if he if he, he leaves, although there are compensatory picks that could, right. you know, based on what he signs, what kind of contract he signs for, um, you know, then the NFL awards those. And I think when we talked about this last, it was like, okay, they might be able to get like a fifth back or something like that, a fourth or a fifth or, you know, maybe as high as a third. But, um, yeah, for the most part, yeah, I would think it would. It wasn't a great move if they just rented him for one year because it just didn't work out. The defense was not good. Yeah, And you know what? There was two guys – well, three. I mean, to me, I was always – Excited and happy with the way that Devin Weatherspoon played. The other guy for me was Jordan Brooks. I just he he made a couple of mistakes here and there, but like that guy, you know what I say about him? He always does right and mm-hmm. he made some plays. And then the other guy was Leonard Williams. He was ridiculously hard to move. You know, I was looking at at Chris Jones, who's the big interior defensive tackle for Kansas City. I think he's 6'6, 310 and Leonard Williams is 6'5", 300, and he is just incredibly hard to move. So, you know, and I, all the football one-on-ones that I did and all my film study, everything, looking at that, like he – he was ridiculously hard to move out of the middle. So, you know, and he got, what, five and a half sacks this year in total with the Giants and here. And, yeah, I think he's a very valuable player. Now, you got a whole new defensive system going in, so does he fit that? But he's got speed, man, because you see him making tackles out near the sidelines yeah. all the time. So, um, yeah, anyway, it's uh, it, it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what – What he uh, what he wants, he seems like he's happy to be here, and so you know we'll we'll see what happens as far as uh, trying to get him signed back.
1: Well, back on the twenty third of January, we had Jordan Ronan on on as a guest, and he was talking about how the Giants loved Leonard Williams, but. They're also happy with what they got out of the trade.
0: It hurt, but their season was over at that point. They were kind of able to scrap it together. Uh, A'shaun Robinson, who you've seen a lot of over the years playing with the Rams, he kind of helped fill that void as like a run defender, but the Giants didn't have an answer in regards to the
1: pass rush that he brings. He's not, And that's the thing with Leonard Williams. He's not a great pass rusher either. He's a good quality in interior pass rusher, but he's, he's not a great pass rusher. He's not a guy who's going to beat one of these guys
0: that gets the double-digit sacks. I mean, he did it once in his career. Hey, guess what? It just so happened to be in his contract year and the Giants had to pay him out. You know what? And the Giants were like, we got the draft capital. And, you know, we I know, granted, we had to essentially pay like $11 million to do it. But they were, that was something that ownership was willing to do. And uh,
1: they were able to get really valuable draft capital. Come up. Oh, come up. to I think Sation. Off. I'm going to go with Sation. To yes. finish out this, the statement, Alex. Uh, so yeah. Uh, so they picked up <laughs> a, a big chunk of the salary. To what degree we're not sure. Brady makes it sound like they almost all of the eighteen million outside of the prorated veteran minimum, which he says is six forty seven. I don't know if that's per game or for the
2: entire season. Um, yeah, I think. Well, isn't the uh, the the veteran minimum is like a, a million fifty thousand or something like that? So, so if it's
1: prorated over ten games, yeah. Maybe that's the accurate number. That is yeah. six forty-seven total.
2: Uh, I'm not. I'm not quite sure yet there, but uh, <laughs> I thought we had that one down. But I am not entirely sure now. But <laughs> but you know, I just I just remember thinking it was a pretty good deal because the Giants, you know, they're happy with uh, they, they. As Jordan said, there, they like what they got out of the trade, and you know, they're they're kind of in a little bit more of a rebuilding mode. But but I, I think that's going to be the big question for me with with Mike McDonald. You know, how does he use Leonard Williams? I mean, we saw a couple of videos. We did a roll-the-tape thing where they're dropping those inside guys out of there. Now, I'm going to assume it's for a very good reason that they drop defensive tackles out of there. Yeah. I think it was – well, it was somebody there was some term of like – it wasn't an uh, illusion of complexity, but it was uh, how we can have – have an effect. It was something about, like, the threat of mm. those guys dropping back or rushing, and then it frees up other guys, and there was some terminology for it. But, you know, I think he still can move. I mean, even if they want to do that kind of thing with him, I, I feel like he's he's probably going to be able to handle it. And, you know, I think he's one of the better inside guys in the league. I mean, you know, both him and, you know, you talk about Chris Jones, who is kind of the elite interior guy. I mean, he's the size of – a really big offensive lineman, and you don't usually see that on the D-line.
1: Now, one one thing I would think would be completely out of the question is tagging him. They can tag him if they want, but he's been tagged twice before, which increases the number, and according, again, to Brady, that the number to tag him now would be close to $36 million for one year. They're obviously not going to do that. No. <laughs> so, so you know, and Spotrac has him projected at a market value of around sixteen point seven per year. Yeah, not give or take. We'll see what they do. But I don't know. Does it feel like, man we've we've got to we got to bring this guy back because of what we gave up to get him? We can we can debate what the money actually was, but you gave up a second round pick for a guy you had for ten games. Is it is it sort of? And coming upon you to make sure he's still here. Otherwise, we gave up a second round pick for ten games. We didn't make the
2: playoffs. Yeah, well, exactly. And that—that that to me, uh, that part of it would be a, a bad trade. Here's the—the the thing I would say about that. Number one, I—I I don't doubt that they had any kind, uh, some kind of conversation, Mike McDonald and John Schneider about. Let's take a look at the guys that I have on my roster and what what that fits into, especially on the defensive side. Yeah. How does this fit into your defense? And and I, I feel like that's that's probably a conversation that was had, you know, yeah. that they've had these things. It, it's funny, you know, we, I always go back to, it was like five or six, no, it was probably like eight or nine years ago, and they were talking about Richard Sherman's, and it was Pete Carroll. And he was on. I think he was on with Brock and Salk, and he was talking about, you know, their his contract. How are they going to fit it under the cap? And I remember Pete saying, uh, "We've been having this discussion for like two years, mm. you know." So I, mean, I, I think those kinds of those kinds of things are happening, you know, long before we see them and read about them. So I'm, I'm, but I'm pretty sure that John would probably have. You know those kinds of conversations with Mike McDonald to see, does this guy fit into what we're doing? Because you're right, and I, I, I totally agree. I, I feel like if you'd made that that trade just for this year, and that that was going to put you over the top, I don't think that's why that was done.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they approach this. So he's definitely a need for them. They need that that interior to be bolstered and to be sturdy and yeah, he can't do it alone. you you got to have other pieces there, but he he played well on a defense that didn't play well as a collective. Uh, and the Seahawks are also in this weird uh, salary cap space where they got to, they got to trim salary. Oddly enough, they don't have, they don't have a Mahomes who's making 50 million or whatever, but they've got a couple of guys making 20 some million each. You've got, you know, obviously yeah. Gino, you've got Jamal, you've got Quandre, you've got DK. Those are your high Tyler. Those are your highest paid guys. So it's spread out amongst a number of guys. Um, but it's, you know, I, I sent that thing of like, uh, was it the Athletic? I think one of the where they had a projected cut for each team. Yeah, the one for the Seahawks was Jamal Adams, mm-hmm. and it, and it's uh, what they wrote is safety is the most obvious position where twenty twenty four cap values do not align with performance. Jamal Adams twenty six point nine million, Quandre Diggs twenty one point three million are scheduled to count a combined forty eight point two million. Using the post June 1st designation for Adams would push 10 million in charges into 2025, increasing relief from 6.1 to 16.5 million in 2024. Adams had nine and a half sacks and blah, 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 blah. Uh, Since then, injuries, all that. Diggs has been more productive and hasn't missed games, so carrying his high cap number would be easier to justify. So, their pick they picked one guy from all 32 teams, they picked Jamal, which feels like the obvious if you're going to cut somebody.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, and it got it got me kind of thinking of like where does this rank as far as you know the Schneider Carroll uh, era as far as you know just a, a deal that went wrong, and you know that Percy Harvin maybe I mean Percy Harvin yeah. they gave up they gave up first rounders for and you know he and the thing was with him was that. First of all, he was just fantastic and dynamic and apparently just an absolute gem of a guy to everybody except his teammates. Yeah. <laughs> but also he was That's, just... Is that a problem? <laughs> that can be a problem. And, you know, and remember after he retired and everything, he was like, hey, guys, it was on me, you know, yeah. this and that.
1: When I punched that guy, that was on me.
2: Yeah. When I punched that guy, that was on me. <laughs> <laughs> when I tried to throw this guy off the stairs, yeah. <laughs> my uh, bad. Yeah, my bad. All three of those. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it with him i feel like you could maybe be a little bit more critical because like maybe more research could have been done i don't know he just seemed like when you talk to him and everything you didn't it didn't come through that he not at all didn't like
1: us he loved, loved talking football. to that guy Remember, and he, he just didn't work out jamal no. i look out and say i look at and say it didn't work out for different reasons it's not yeah. he couldn't play he just stinks he's what are you doing it was just one bad injury after another with exactly. a guy that had no injury history coming into it. Right. So it was just that one I chalk up to like that was just really bad luck. Whereas yeah. Percy, totally, he just was a problem. It wasn't due to, he was injured. He was actually missed a fair amount of time. Remember, he missed, he played yeah. the one game against the Vikings and was had a great game. Unbelievable. And then didn't play again
2: until the playoffs and
0: right. then missed
1: time
2: until the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. And then you know he takes that the the opening the kickoff <laughs> the second half back. I mean, yeah, it was, uh, and that's that was going to be you know my point ultimately is that like with Jamal, it, it, like you said, there was no indication whatsoever. He was a very good player, but things just it's bad luck. It's it's Mitch Haniger bad luck,
1: yeah, basically, exactly, yeah. And and how do how do you if you are John, you are Pete, you are the front office, how do you plan for that? It's different if you are bringing in a guy. The way you know, just to point to the Mariners, you're bringing in three guys who you're not going to be surprised if they're injured. That's their history. Right, Garver, Haniger, Polanco. That's been their story. Now, they've all proven they can play and be be difference making type of players when they're healthy. But you know, going in, all right, there's a good chance one, two, maybe all three are going to spend some time on the bench or on the on the injured list. You understand that coming in. You didn't have that with Jamal. That wasn't his story. That wasn't. Hey, we love him when he's healthy, but we're prepared for when he's not healthy, because it just wasn't a story. So just, just really unfortunate with him. Really, really bad luck with that one.
2: Well, and people are going to continue to text in, and and I'm sure they are on the uh, Mac and Jack's uh, text line eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. People just, they I think they hate Jamal because it didn't work out. But I mean, if you if you calm down and just look at it, you know especially having spoken to him and just how passionate he is about football. He loved the game. I felt like with Percy, maybe they could have done a little bit more work of you know figuring out what kind of guy he is and how does he fit in. I mean, Jamal was just awesome. And I remember last year, even though he wasn't practicing, all the assistants and Pete and everybody was talking about what an awesome teammate he's been Yeah. these guys, even though he can't be out there. So uh, uh, two different stories there, but – both you know uh, high expectations and just didn't work out
0: for different reasons all right let's take two well ryan divish the seattle times reported earlier today that luis urias is dealing with a sore throwing shoulder after playing winter ball and he'll be held out of infield drills for the first few workouts
1: How, how are you saying his last name
0: urias urias I, I hear so many people pronounce it differently. That's, that's the MLB.com pronunciation. Yeah, so. I see
1: you've got it written phonetically, but we had J.P. Marossi on who rolls the R's and gives it a lot of
2: flair. Urias.
1: Yeah, and then uh, I think Shannon corrected me on, I don't remember how I was saying it, but she. I don't know if she says it like this. I think she says Urias. Yeah. Either way, not not good. We were just talking about the three players that come with a level of injury history that you're like, all right, I'm buckling up, I'm prepared for that day where we say, oh, Hanniger's going to be out for 10 days or whatever. This is a guy we kind of forget about who's going to platoon at third base with Josh Rojas and uh, dealing with a sore throwing shoulder already. He, he did play winter ball so it's not as if he just picked up the ball for the first time and ow my arm hurts. Right. So ho- hopefully they're going to like we were talking about with Santos they're going to err on the side of caution with it, obviously anybody at this point.
2: I feel like that's going to be the theme for spring training because and why wouldn't you? You got a number of guys that you know you just think hey maybe maybe we can do something different that these teams before didn't do and you know look a lot of these guys are have played for quite a while so it's not like they need to go out there and have practice and play in practice games and things like that so yeah I expect that there's going to be a lot of that this spring
0: well Washington State basketball how about the Cougs they came in at number 21 in the AP poll yesterday the first time they've been ranked since the 2007 2008 season and they have a battle for first place on the line at number 4 Arizona on Thursday night you can hear it right here pregame coverage beginning on Seattle Sports at 730 go Cougs that's good to hear
2: that's interesting. They haven't been in the top 20 since 2008. I mean, or is it 25? 25. That's even worse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I remember them it's going to the... Remember they went to the NIT uh, probably in the last 10 or 12 years. I remember at least a couple of times them going to the NIT. did
1: they go to the other one? What's the one below the CB? Yeah, there's the CBI and the CIT. CBI. Maybe it was and...
2: CBI. I yeah. think there was one NIT, but... I think Kyle Smith does a really good job and uh, looks like they went down and swept the Bay Area, Cal and my Stanford Cardinal. So. Good deal. Yeah, they're on a win streak. Go right Cougs. Now. Yeah. There you go. Seven in a row. All right. Take
1: two is brought to you by Swedish Cyberknife. Treat prostate cancer with Swedish Cyberknife, swedish.org slash Prostate. Coming up, should we expect an MVP caliber season out of Julio? We'll get into that. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports on 710.
0: Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle, Seattle Sports, Sports App.
1: Spring training is underway for your Seattle Mariners. Everybody counting on this team, obviously you need everybody to be healthy, but I think more importantly, individually, you're looking at J.P. Crawford to hopefully match and take the next step from last year. Took a huge step last year. Uh, Julio Rodriguez is the face of this franchise. That's not really even up for debate at this point. He's the guy you, you spent all the money on, committed to, and he's he's got just a truckload of talent. Now, last year was a bit up and down, to say the very least. In the end, his numbers looked pretty good, but there were some – Pretty dry months there, <laughs> where it just it wasn't happening. Now he was down there speaking with the media. Was he speaking with the media or Shannon Lefko? What's uh, the assembled media? Okay, Shannon
0: just sent it back for us. Gotcha.
1: Um, he he talked about last year being very frustrating for him.
3: I want to win in this team. I want to do the best that I can to be able to win in this team. And like I know people will get frustrated, but nobody's going to get as frustrated as I will be once I kind of fail. You know, but what well, the only thing I can do is learn from it, grow from it, work on it. And come back here, get better. You know, I feel like that's the only thing I can control.
1: And he's right. I, I, this is a guy that has a tremendous passion for the game. He's still, He's still so young. He's still so young. And you can just tell how much he loves to play baseball. And he takes a lot of... A lot of pride in his performance. I mean, salary aside, I think he just feels a, a level of obligation. Like, I, I, I'm i better than what I was doing. I'm better than some of those months that he put up last year.
2: Yeah, and, and you look at, man, I mean, and it just his total overall numbers. You know, you're looking at uh, 103 RBIs, 32 home runs, 275, pretty good. But, man, he had a couple of months, particularly, remember June and July, I think there was 26 games in July, and he, he didn't have – there was five games where he didn't have a hit. Yeah, I mean, And everything else was – including, I think, a five-for-five five performance at one point. Uh, I think there was a four-for-five in there in those two months. And so he, he really heated up. I mean, he was like – it was automatic with him. So, But then, you know, it, it didn't start great. It kind of tailed off at the end. So, you know, look, nobody's expecting to him to do what he did one – you know, in in June and July, but maybe just a little bit more consistent and spread out over, you know, the entire season.
1: You wonder if he were more consistent. I know it's hard to have the exact same month after that month and this month are all the same. That's not, you're going to have ups and downs. That's just how it goes. But if they weren't so steep, the dips weren't so steep. Does this team make the playoffs? They miss it by a game. He's the difference in a lot of these games. Runners on, he comes up, chance to take the lead. I'm certainly, and I'm not blaming the season on him by any stretch, but just Him individually looking at some of those months and what he did with runners on base, they're able to pull out a win in a couple of games. Maybe we're talking about the difference of them going to the playoffs versus not
2: going, considering
1: they missed it by a game.
2: I'm trying to remember the kind of spring he had. I mean, we don't put a whole lot into that because usually guys are working on things, right? Yeah. But you see how the season started. It was six of the first seven games, didn't get a hit. So it was just you know hopefully he can come out of spring training but i just remember thinking he, he had a good spring training and hey well let's let's see hopefully he gets uh, off to a, a fast start but look if you can just Take away. I mean look, you don't expect him to do what he did in June and July, but if you can just spread that out, maybe less lesser numbers and you know, over the entire season, that's kinda of what we expect from a guy that gets paid that kind of contract.
1: Well he he explains why he thinks that he had a bit of a down year.
3: I had a lot of learning experience last year that I'm grateful for. You know, this, this that was my second year in the league where a lot of people say, Oh, that's uh the sophomore slump or whatever. I don't know how that how that's gonna feel in like a lot of people's mind now but for me that was a sophomore slump that I was grateful for that I was able to learn that I that I, that I know is going to help me out down the road in my career and that's something that I'm not going to take for granted and that's something that I will never forget that it's always going to keep pushing me to keep getting better and never feel that way.
1: I'm glad he's hanging on to that that feeling and and looking at last year and using it as a teaching moment yeah. and you know sophomore slump okay whatever you want to call it you know maybe the. I mean again being that young signing the deal that he did he's propped up as the face of not just the Mariners but baseball in a way. I mean he was uh, nationally he was that guy. He's on the cover of magazines, he's on video games, what have you. So you can't help but imagine the level of of pressure to live up to that billing if you will. I've got to live up to this contract I just got, I got to live up to all this hype behind me and you could see him pressing you could see him chasing you could see that that strike zone expanding and him chasing balls it and letting other ones go where you're like what is he looking at Mm -hmm. you know he's swinging at this one that's low and away in the dirt and you got one that looks like a cookie down the middle and he's letting it go you know he just seemed like he was between he was he just there were a lot of periods where he just didn't have his rhythm and you could just tell he was he was just off.
2: I think the other thing, I don't know that I've seen Julio be impetuous really about anything other than, was it his rookie year when he drew the line in Baltimore? So maybe, you know, that's maybe not cool. That was kind of a rookie move. But I mean, shoot, last year, he's 22 years old. Mm -hmm. And for him to come out of it with, because I know he probably sees social media and people totally overreact, you know, when he starts off that way last year, I'm sure people are like, oh, he's going to chill because of his big contract or whatever, and You know, um, but for him to come out of it with that kind of an attitude, that's a pro right there, a professional. Like, I'm going to make this last year, he even named it. It's a sophomore slump I'm going to work on. I'm going to make it work for me.
1: Yeah, it is just you forget. It feels like he's been here longer than he's been here. That was his second year. He just turned 23 years old on December 29th. Right. So he just turned 23 years old. It's just – it is amazing how present he is, how big his image is, how much he is, again, promoted and and propped up, and he's just had two full seasons under his belt. So, yeah, he's he's so crucial to what they want to do. He's he's an absolute, uh, you know, igniter for that lineup. You know, when, when he's going, they're not going to – you know, they're going to try to pitch around him. They're going to put him on base. Now you've got Garver who presumably will be hitting behind him. You're you're setting up the guys behind him to do damage if you're going to put him on base and pitch around him when he gets hot like that. So him being in a rhythm is just so big for this lineup.
2: Yeah, and the other thing that hopefully the rest of that lineup will support him too because there's lots of pressure on him to to go up and like you mentioned that you know all of the expectations and everything. So hopefully uh, we stay healthy and uh, able to kind of he's able to feed off of uh, the energy of the rest of the lineup because, man, it was just like, okay, every time Julio got up and you know they're having a rough game offensively, you're like, okay, this is our superstar. He's got to go out there and make it happen. And that might have contributed to a lot of the chasing you were talking about earlier.
1: Uh, text line is there for you, 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. 360, Dave says, Donnie Downer here, M's even worse than last year worse than missing the playoffs by a game I, I it's it's a minor miracle they were there considering how uneven the offense was mm-hmm. the injuries they suffered to the rotation and kind of like the first year they won 90 games you know they had a dreadful offense and nothing mm-hmm. and with somehow they win 90 games yeah and you're terrible. going wow that was that was a magic act uh, so they they have found ways as frustrating as the season is when we're in the thick of it and we're going, oh, they can't do this. They're terrible with runners and scoring position, and for them to even be that close, I think, is a minor miracle. When all of your offseason acquisitions, with the exception of Teoscar, by the end of the season were gone, you didn't have Colton Wong, you didn't have A.J. Pollock, you didn't have Tommy Listella. you didn't have Cooper Hummel, all gone, con- contributing nothing, and you had Teoscar having a, eh, kind of year. Striking, striking out, out like a crazy right. man. Yeah, just <laughs> striking out left and right. Bit of an adventure to say the very least in the outfield. Not awesome. And somehow they were still there.
2: Well, and he was striking out Tay Oscar, not to beat up on him, but he he wasn't, he didn't have the power numbers that, you know, has gone along with the rest of his career. It's like, yeah, you'll take that. And they got rid of the swing and miss this, this offseason. So, yeah, if healthy, if guys more, you know, play up to the back of their card. I think it's probably that way for a lot of teams this year, but you know, um, it's to, to me I'm excited. I'm, I can't wait to get down to spring training and see you know what because I, I love what we heard from Julio just just now. I, I feel like that's one of the better quotes I've heard from a young athlete in a long time.
1: All right, coming up, uh, the NBA All-Star game is broken. Some would argue it's been broken for quite some time. But is there an easy fix for it? We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman
0: and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app.
1: Coming up at 3 o'clock, our Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer will join us from Peoria. Mariners had their first full squad workout today. So we'll get the get the report from Shannon how everything's looking out there. Talk some Mariner baseball coming up at three o'clock here with Wyman and Bob. Seattle Sports on seven ten, but apparently the NBA All Star game took place over the weekend, Dave.
2: Yeah, I heard about that. Uh heard there was some complaining and whatnot. Um but yeah. I
1: guess my question would be what what are you complaining about now? I mean, this is the, the game's always been trash. It's always been broken. Why now? I guess because it was like 410 to 397 or something, the final score. But, I mean, I I, I was reading all the headlines and all the outrage, and this is broken, it's got to be fixed. I'm like, this thing's been broken for decades. There's no defense. Nobody plays defense. This is like, let me try my cool 360 windmill dunk. I'm going to bounce this off the backboard and – and behind the back to this guy, and then, you know, the defenders are just kind of jogging next to him like, oh, cool, let's see what he does.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's dumb. It's well, dumb. it's kind of funny. I think it, it hit the point that the Pro Bowl hit two years, two, three years ago, where yeah. it's like, okay, let's just stop now. And I, I, that was my first thought. Now, I didn't watch the All-Star game, but I did watch a healthy number of, of highlights. One of the things was the chucking it from half court. Yeah, you see that. And I didn't see how many went clanging off the rim and into, you know, the stands or whatever. But (laughs) I saw like three or four that were made and and nobody seemed to really appreciate it. I mean, because to me, making a half court shot, I mean, that's pretty that's pretty rare. I mean, they they line people up to to win a free car for things like that, knowing that, you know, knowing that nobody's going to make it. And I saw like four of them go down. So, I, but that didn't seem to impress anybody. So, and it's kind of funny. It's kind of like the the NFL making a really long throw. Well, it's really only a great throw if there's somebody contesting the catch, and the uh, the quarterback's got a D lineman in his lap. I mean, that's what makes it so impressive. And so now that, like you said, no nobody's guarding anyone. Uh, <laughs> then, yeah, I mean, it's just it's probably to the point right there. And that was the first thing I thought. I was like. Okay, they they need to go the way of the Pro Bowl. They need to do uh, skills. Yeah. The slam dunk competition is fantastic. What was going on with that neon thing? There were some neon lights and balls, and then they had the uh, three point contest with um, a WNBA player, mm-hmm. things like that. So, um, you know, maybe maybe it goes that way. I, I don't know. It just it it's ridiculous though. Basketball is ridiculous when nobody's playing defense. Two eleven. To 186. Yeah. You were way off, Bob. <laughs>
1: 211, 200. The East scored 53 in the first quarter, 51,
2: 56, and 51. <laughs> <laughs> Just, well, we'll get to this this clip from Adam Silver, which I thought was hilarious. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, Kendrick Perkins, I, people were like ripping the whole thing, and he was sitting there with that, that look on his face. And I thought, Oh he's gonna defend him or not, and no, he didn't
4: to be honest, it was embarrassing and it was it was disrespectful to the game of basketball to the nBA to so, so many guys that used to like the, the nBA all star you it, it, to be an nBA all star it's an honor mm-hmm. it's an honor. Like, I played 14 years and never made an all-star game. I was close to making it one time and Al Horford beat me out by one coach's vote. Do you know how it would have felt to be in the all-star game? Russell Westbrook won back-to-back all-star MVPs. One of the times he came off the bench because he was playing so hard. That's how much he cared. And at the end of the day, players won't say it publicly, but in order to move the needle, in order to get an all-star game where they're actually competing, you know what's going to have to happen. The NBA is going to have to increase their incentives, yep. meaning put a bankroll in yep. front of their faces.
1: Because they're not making enough as it is. So, <laughs> But he's right. I mean, well, I guess it doesn't matter how much you make if they're going to put – I don't know what the number is. You, you win, you get 500 grand each or something. I, I have so no idea what they were talking just, about. Is that the number? I'm just throwing it no, out there.
2: they did. Were, they were saying, yeah, maybe winning team gets an extra half a mil. Uh, yes. You know, I mean, is it worth it to do that? Are you getting enough people tuning in? Is it going to help the game just in general? You know, and then what's the burden on that? Now, look, these guys don't play hard. It's not like they're not playing hard because they're so fearful of injury. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the NFL. But this. You know, I don't. I don't know if that would be enough, but uh, I just think it's it's uh, interesting that you know that now we're to this point. It's like it's been like you said, it's been like this for like three or four years. Oh, even longer, and maybe not to this score, two hundred and eleven.
1: But yeah, it's been it's been the joke for decades. They don't play defense. You got guys throwing the ball behind their back and as I said that's not that's not hyperbole bouncing it off the off the backboard for a slam and just like schoolyard mm-hmm. stuff. Like you're just out there with your friends playing pickup ball but not even trying that hard. Just like watch I'm going to show you this new shot I've been working on.
2: Here. Stand back. and they all stand back right well and and here this here's the thing too we've talked about this before like of all the major sports what's the the best all-star game baseball it's it's mlb yeah because you know there is no no threat of that but i mean there's not really that much threat of getting hurt in in playing basketball you don't see it it's not like football or anything so what's what's the problem here why are they you know why are they just Kind of loafing around. I mean, what if you got a guy out there that is like, I'm going to go hard and just see what happens. I mean, you probably probably be fights.
1: He probably would. He would be the rest of the the teams. Both teams be looking at him going, dude, what are you doing? We don't play defense here. Stop it, stop it. And you brought up Adam Silver. Here he is. Uh, as the, the the description says, sounds like he's had enough during the trophy presentation.
3: And to the Eastern Conference All Stars, you scored the most points. Well, congratulations. Giannis, your team, this trophy is yours.
1: Well, congrats, I guess. You scored, could have scored the same number in an empty gym. It would have been the same level of
2: competition. I mean... That might be the funniest thing <laughs> that I've heard from him ever, because well, well, he <laughs> never seems funny. <laughs> I don't know if that was just a truly awkward moment for him, or if he was really trying to to deliver that uh, that message there. But yeah, I don't. If you're I, the commissioner, aren't you just sitting there going, "Oh my god,
1: yeah, this is," I, and I haven't seen it. Have we seen anything about ratings, Lefko? Have you seen any numbers? About the ratings on this it's not like it was a huge uh, sports weekend I mean, they so,
0: always go up so i feel like they're probably going to go up well yeah, because we'll, there's
1: okay. nothing i mean there's college hoops on and there's hockey but those you know when you're talking about there's like the pro bowl for the nfl always did decent ratings because there was nothing else happening not because it was good so i'm wondering what what the ratings were this were like for this but i, I can't imagine they were awesome no. even though there's nothing else happening i mean would you did anybody sit down and commit to watching this? And I'm I'm an NBA fan. I've lost it over the years. And when the Sonics come back, I'll be I'll dive in head first. But even I, as a as a at this point, a casual NBA fan, I'm not going to sit and watch that schlock. It's
2: nonsense. This is crazy. NBA.com says uh, the All Star uh, Saturday night draws more viewers in four years. Now, is that the game more than it has that? in the last four years? Yeah. Huh. So, no,
1: the, the Saturday nights. All the I think all the other stuff, yeah. right? is not that all the slam dunk and so three point? Well,
0: NBA we PR. So of course they'll probably spin it. Says uh, the game averaged five point five million viewers, up fourteen percent from last year. Because mm-hmm. so. it
2: sucked last year and it sucks this year,
0: but it keeps going up.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so more yeah. scoring.
1: That's the key, I guess. What a joke! Two hundred eleven to one
2: eighty-six. <laughs> hey, and when I played in the NFL, there was a story. Uh, Of an offensive lineman from the uh, uh, American, you know, the AFC and a defensive lineman from the NFC that were one was waiting outside the other one's locker room to fight him over something that happened in the Pro Bowl. This is back Ah. in the 80s and 90s. That's how it used to be. Now those, it's, are, those days are over. Yeah, it's flag football and uh guys snapping footballs through holes in a wall. <laughs> all
1: right. Coming up. The Mariners had their first full squad workout today, and our Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer will join us from Peoria to break it all down. Coming up next with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports on seven ten.